Wired into technology transformation, this is the Digital Bulletin Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of the Digital Bulletin podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Each month, we assemble a group of experts to debate important issues and topics from the world of technology. For this edition, we are tackling the gaming industry and the influence of big tech in the wake of Microsoft's agreed $68.7 billion acquisition of Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard. Patrick McFadden... Ava Rez and Michael Metzger, who will introduce themselves shortly, talk about consolidation in the gaming industry, the cloudification of gaming, and what this all means for the onset of the metaverse. Listen, learn, and enjoy. Thank you very much for joining us for this latest episode of the Digital Bulletin podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by a new panel of guests to discuss the convergence of the tech and gaming industries and that very crazy world right now. Um, Let's get straight to it. And we're going to ask the guests, first of all, to introduce themselves. We'll start with you, Patrick. Hi, I'm Patrick McFadden. Um, I work at Datastax, uh, primarily on developer programs and um, on uh, one of our very favorite open source projects, Apache Cassandra. Uh, I've been in the Apache Cassandra um, project for over 10 years now um, and work with other Apache projects like Pulsar, et cetera, but yeah. Great, thanks, Patrick. Ava Rez, maybe introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, um, this is Ava, and um, I'm an investment manager at Edge Investments. We focus on the creative sector, um, invest mainly late seed series A stages. Um, before joining Edge, I used to work at Sky in the startup investments team, um, also focusing, focusing on the creative space, including uh, gaming, esports and metaverse, um, which I'm also doing in the current role. And I've been in VC for eight years. Brilliant. Thank you for coming on, Ava. And last but very much not least, Michael Metzger. Michael, hello. Hi, this is Michael. I'm a, I'm a partner at Drake Star Partners. Um, global media and technology investment bank. Um, we have about 100 folks across the US, Europe, and, and Asia. And we advise media and tech companies on mergers and acquisitions, as well as growth stage financing. And I've been focusing specifically on the digital media and the gaming sector. Great. Well, thank you again for, for all coming on to the pod. And we're hoping to have a, a really interesting discussion today about the, the the gaming industry and the direction it's going in and the role um, big companies like Microsoft are playing in it. Michael, you mentioned there you, you, you advise on mergers and acquisitions. Now, acquisitions don't get much bigger than Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard or, you know, attempting to at the moment. We're still we're still in, in going through the regulatory process, but the $68.7 billion deal was announced in January. We'll come to you first, Patrick. What were your initial thoughts when you heard about that deal? I, my first thought was, is that ever going to happen? It's just, it almost seems too big. Um, and I, it, it just brings a lot of concern that I have about like too much consolidation. Um, I think there's the, the fun and innovative part of the gaming industry is these, I, I think are the small gaming shops, you know, the, the, the five person studios that do really cool things. And I just get worried, you know, cause I, Look at Wordle, you know, that just came out of nowhere. And that was one guy. And 
when I see these large acquisitions, I think, man, we're going to get stuck in an innovator's dilemma if we're not careful. But, you know, I'm not a regulatory person. I just worry about the gaming industry in general. <laughs> Ava, we'll come to you. I mean, what what were your thoughts? Do you share Patrick's concerns about that? Or, you know, on, on the investment side, do, do you understand why Microsoft are putting so much cash into this? Yeah, definitely. I have a couple of thoughts on that. So obviously there's a consolidation going in in the gaming sector. Um, and for us, actually, it's also exciting because we work with startups and it's a potential exit route for, for startups. Um, but what I see really is that uh, the gaming industry is a very exciting industry. Um, it's currently a $180 billion market, um, but it's still um, just the fourth of, of the video uh, market which is around $650 billion. Um, so I think there's a lot of headroom here, and that's why um, big tech companies are so excited about the space. Also, I think um, there's um, a lot of competition around content, acquiring content, um, and the gaming sector gives you the opportunity to either create new IP or to create content around existing IP. So that's where I also see that there's a lot of potential for companies um, to do that um, and uh, kind of uh, get a better position um, on the market. Um, and I think the, the third point is really that um, with gaming, you can create very valuable franchises. So it's not just about the content that you can create. So if you think about Netflix, um, they are creating um, content with 12,000 employees. They pour $20 billion per year into content, while, let's say, Fortnite uh, created uh, content with, um, like, originally with 2025 developers, uh, currently $4 billion in revenue and 70 million um, monthly active users. So there is a lot of potential in gaming. Um, you can create a whole ecosystem around gaming. You can collect data on your players. Uh, you can create events, merchandising. So I think there is much more to, to gaming and uh, than acquiring content. Um, and obviously, um, you know, we, we live the, the, the era of subscriptions with um, Apple having subscriptions for movies, games, uh, fitness and music um, and other players do the same. So I see that there are a lot of um, very attractive points in the gaming sector. And that's why probably this is happening now. Michael, coming to you, do you, do you share those thoughts that Ava has um, put forward there? Or were you still kind of surprised by this eye-watering number that Microsoft is putting down for Activision Blizzard? Yeah, I, I do share the thoughts. Um, the, the, the number is still, um, you know, obviously massive. Mm -hmm. So from my view, also on a high level, kind of gaming is kind of the largest segment within entertainment, larger than any other. So companies spending a lot of um, time in it and trying to get a, um, a mind share of that uh, totally makes sense. Second, really, the consolidation, it's its not that it just happened this year. This was just a, a, a big deal this year. So we kind of track um, what's happening in the gaming M&A space, the IPOs, the, the financings for, for private and public companies. And just to put that into perspective, in 2020, we saw a little bit more than 30 billion worth of deals. That exploded in 2021 to 85 billion in overall deals. And obviously with the um, Microsoft Activision deal happening in January, as well as the Take-Two Zynga deal, 
we already exceeded kind of the 85 what we had all of last year um, in, in January. And we're predicting that in 2022, we'll see an overall deal value of about 150 billion all in. So that's kind of a general market. And um, regarding Activision, it it was not totally surprising. There have been rumors that there's going to, um, you know, Activision to be acquired for years. I mean, Disney was uh, a hot candidate for many years. And um, from Microsoft's point, the stock in Activision has dropped a lot um, compared to the peak earlier uh, last year. So from that perspective, you can argue they're actually buying Activision at a discount. And then there were also all the internal problems within the company. And my understanding is the deal actually got started with Bobby uh, reaching out to, to Phil Spencer at Microsoft and, uh, you know, l- looking to explore a deal and also to some extent find a, a good exit for, for Activision overall. Mm-hmm. Patrick, some really insightful figures there from Michael on on the the you know the growth of investment in gaming. Does that kind of reflect the growth of the gaming industry itself? It's a very different industry now to even what it was five years ago, isn't it? In terms of the diversification, just the sheer just the sheer amount of money floating around in this industry. Maybe can you give the listener a bit of insight into into how that industry has changed so much? Yeah, well, it's interesting because I work a lot with um, independent game companies, independent makers, um, it's easy for one one person, two people, three people to create a blockbuster game, like I've mentioned Myrtle before. Um, and I, that's probably my primary concern is it stifles that kind of innovation if there's just no room for them. Um, and I, this is just, you know, I, I live in Silicon Valley. Um, we, we live and die on the on the small startup that turn, that roars. And um, I don't want to see the gaming industry get into a place where they just don't have any room for innovation because that's what's going to make it grow. Um, and, you know, there's ways to make that happen. But what's, I think, really, really fascinating to me is how mobile has changed gaming, how, you know, it used to just be the billion dollar events like Call of Duty launch. Now it's um, it's a lot more of the, the mobile space is really interesting. Um, if you look at just casual gaming, how it's exploded so much in the past few years, especially around the pandemic. But, um, it, you know, there's just a lot of accessible technology to make that work too. Um, we, we're giving people the ability to do more with less. Uh, you know, cloud, cloud has brought a lot of um, equity to tech, tech, invest, or tech startups. So they don't have to have a huge startup budget they can get going faster. Um, and I hope that keeps fueling into the future, um, especially as we start getting into really interesting things like you know, VR and AR, which are emerging, I'm gonna call that. <laughs> it's starting. <laughs> I mean, I've used an Oculus, it's pretty cool. So, but you know, it's, it's got a lot of, a lot of worm to grow. Um, but you know, this, this is the kind of thing that I think about a lot, especially around technology is like, We've got to keep the accessibility there. We have to make it mobile. We have to, you know, not mobile gaming, but we have to keep things moving in technology so that if someone wants to quit their day job to go create a gaming startup, they have the ability to do that. Ava, have you got any further thoughts on what Patrick said there about the industry itself? 
Yeah, I think it's a very interest, interesting point. So I've been looking at cloud, ga cloud gaming for a while. Um, there are obviously the big players, um, but I think what is a, a real challenge there still is um, the unit economics of cloud gaming. Although I do see the value of, of cloud gaming or more hybrid solutions there uh, with some edge components where this can democratize the, the gaming industry. So I do agree on that point. Um, I also I also think that it's really important that there will be kind of a de-risking of the gaming industry because currently 5% of the games make money. So I think the monetization is still not solved. So we moved from a, a pay-to-play to a free-to-play model, although a lot of people thought that was not going to work. Now it's working. And I think, um, and, and I guess we'll, we'll get to the metaverse point, but I think with the, the play-to-earn model, I, I think it's a very exciting point whether that will be viable because that can create value uh, for the, the creators, the game developers themselves. And I think the, the risking of, of, of the, um, the game industry, the monetization, how you can make these smaller studios profitable, I think that's the real challenge. And that's where I would be really um, keen to see some, some good examples and some, um, some solutions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Michael, I'm keen to get your thoughts on why you think Microsoft have 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 gone down this route? Obviously, they are a company not you know not without gaming heritage with with Xbox and everything like that. But do you what what do you think their play is here with it with this acquisition? When you consider their 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 bigger position in in the technology industry, we've spoken about cloud a lot. Obviously, Microsoft has a very strong position in in the public cloud market. What what do you think they're ultimately trying to achieve with this? Yeah, so, so first of all, discussions have happened, I think, for many years. And um, this was a very opportunistic time for Microsoft to come in at, you know, as I mentioned before, maybe a, a discount to where Activision was trading before yeah. and capture, um, you know, one of the best IPs and, and, and most profitable IPs in the gaming space. So that was probably a key driver. Um, the, the another key initiative within Microsoft is kind of build up the subscription base for um, for the Xbox Game Pass uh, service. I think they currently have about 250, uh, 25 million subscribers. And with Activision's coming in with 400 million monthly active users, they thought, you know, if that's being put or a portion of that being put on Game Pass, that could probably help build up the subscription service um, significantly and make sure it's not going on any other platforms, maybe what Sony or some other entities are doing. And medium to long-term, I agree, while cloud gaming, I think will take still several years to really be more popular. Um, and there have been a lot of early, early um, you know, initiatives, obviously, over time, I guess the importance of the hardware component, whether that's an Xbox or a PlayStation, I think will get smaller and smaller. And in 10 years from now, I'm pretty sure we might not have kind of um, the, the gaming hardware anymore. And from that point of view, just building up a subscription service that um, could really be consumed in almost any device, I think that was one of the drivers on the Microsoft side as well. Um, one additional quick comment on kind of the gaming industry at all and what does consolidation do? One thing to also to consider is um, there has been a tremendous amount of money flowing into the industry in startups, meaning 
private companies that are raising money. And in Q4 last year, for example, um, was the highest amount of startups in gaming being funded. There were over 200 financing rounds announced for raising about a little bit more than $4 billion. And all this kind of money flowing in, is it's kind of building a whole new ecosystem of we call it future unicorns um as the industry is to some extent hit driven it's it's always not easy to predict which one of those 200 companies that got funding just in last quarter is going to have a an amazing hit but a certain number of them will so we're with all this money flowing into the industry um we're kind of building the next major um gaming companies of the future and to me personally that's super exciting find us as digital bulletin on linkedin facebook and instagram and at digi underscore bulletin on twitter you know the, the foundation of the industry is is that startup ecosystem and, and people being able to develop games at the drop of a hat ava have you got any thoughts on the microsoft deal and how you know further consolidation might 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 impact that or do you think there is still going to be an ecosystem where where that is possible despite that consolidation. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Ava. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question too. Obviously, at Edge, we are definitely looking at um, uh, rising stars, and um, and I'm personally very excited to to see game studios, but also I think for me the underlying technology that can facilitate uh, the future of gaming and the the future of the metaverse, although um, this is a, a very uh, used term at the moment, but I think that's that's where I see value at the moment. So I think content is really important and ap- experiences, applications will be really important. But but right now, um, as an investor, I would put my bet mainly on the underlying technology that can facilitate um, uh, the, the reach of, of global audiences and, um, and collaboration between creators and and artists um, and and gamers and i think uh, we can then get to the the socializing aspect and the multiplayer aspect which i think is really important um and obviously the pandemic showed showed us this but i think this trend even you know if there's a, a slight decline in, in the growth rate i think this trend uh, continues so for me the underlying technologies that can that can help um to go on with that whether it's computing power uh, network uh, capabilities that's really important um but then um also um basically the yeah the, the content that will be created on top of it um and and how you can create these immersive experiences uh, where people can socialize and come together i think that will be a really exciting uh, point um, and then the last bit is really the, the cross-platform bit. So I think with this consolidation, there is a risk that that the cross-platform nature of of games. I mean, it, it's it's you know it's already a problem for for many games. So I think uh, that that can kind of um, disappear. And I think um, uh, gamers would like to to have this experience with their friends, with their buddies across different platforms. So the cross-platform aspect is is definitely something that should should stay and i think uh, even microsoft is is doing that with their um with their um game pass yeah patrick if, coming from the tech industry yourself have you got any thoughts on on that underlying tech piece you know the cloudification of gaming and also what ava mentioned there about you know cross-platforming and how that's going to develop uh yeah well i mean it's interesting because just this week google announced that they're going to pause and you know the stadia stuff and um 
Yeah, I, and, which makes a lot of sense, I think, because nobody who's in technology is trying understands how they're solving the magical problem of latency. If you talk to any hardcore gamer, my 13-year-old son talks about latency. <laughs> like he knows what it is. And <laughs> because that's the most important thing, especially with fast switch games, which are really, those are the big blockbusters, right? The Call of Duties. And, um, you know, the, if you look at what um, cloud gaming delivers, yeah, it's, it's centralization of the technology. So, you know, you don't have to ship or not ship a PlayStation 5. <laughs> you know, look <laughs> at what happened in the past two years with, the Xbox and PlayStation console shortage, it causes this ridiculous um, effect in the market because now everyone, it's like the scarcity. So, okay, we'll, we'll solve scarcity with abundance by just putting everything in the cloud. But we still have this underlying problem is getting bits to from that last mile, it puts a lot of latency on there. So I most gamers, when they, you know, if you think about the people who are actually spending the most amount of money on gaming, um, they roll their eyes when they when you talk about cloud gaming. They still want a local experience. So, uh, but the consolidation is interesting because now you're talking about consolidating an experience around, say, the Xbox. Uh, you know, the Xbox is not just a, a console anymore. It's also an online presence. Um, mm -hmm. Origin, Steam. I mean, I, let's be terrified here for a minute. Who's going to acquire Steam? And I'm, it's not going to be Microsoft, I don't think, because I don't think Gabe Newell wants to go back to Microsoft. But, you know, Steam owns a lot of the market and is starting to pick up a lot of, uh, for lack of a better word, Steam around VR, too. <laughs> I mean, they're, that's one of their biggest, it's, that's their fastest growing segment in uh, Steam is, is VR. So, yeah, I mean, I, I look at, like, the cloud gaming and technology centralization is still going to be mitigated by the companies that help deliver that last mile. And right now it's to a device, yeah. you know, a, a gaming PC, a console. What impact then, Patrick, do you think that will ultimately have on the metaverse? Let's, 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 let's broach that topic, you know, and, and you're talking about AR, VR, the introduction of those technologies into gaming and the further development of those technologies as well. If, if we're still, you know, struggling to get the underlying technology in, in place. When when do you think we're going to be embracing what what our, our dear tech leaders have called the metaverse? Like, what, what what's your thoughts on that? I think there's a lot of excitement and delusion, which is fun, you know? I'm like, oh my God, Facebook is going to own everything. No, they're not, you know? Game, gaming comes and goes. I mean, Roblox was the hot kid on the block. Now it's getting like completely burned down. It's like the toxic company now. So I, I predict within a year, Roblox is going to be a disaster area. So when Facebook um, says we're going to own the metaverse, you know, there's a whole lot of companies out there like PlayStation, like Sony, they're going to be hold my beer. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for that moment. So because it's just so it's so uh, ready for disruption. Um, the Oculus is an amazing device. It's basically a Snapdragon on your face, which is great. But there are so many if you look at what's happening in that industry, there's so much room for innovation that I just stand by. It's going to be a lot of fun for the next five years. Ava, you've been looking into this, as you, as you said at the beginning of the pod, like what have you got, what thoughts have you got to add to Patrick, what Patrick has said there? Yeah, so I think, so this consolidation is happening, but I, I do believe that the, the true metaverse is not going to be, uh, you know, like uh, basically um, uh, 
a bunch of franchises or, or separated universes. I think it, it should be a platform where you, you have the interoperability, where you can, as a user, as a player, um, you can kind of uh, go between different universes and you can um, take your identity, your digital assets, your um, yeah, avatar, whatever you have. Um, and basically you can, you can take these experiences and these assets with you from one university to the other. So I think um, that's where it's really interesting that why this consolidation is happening. On the other hand, I, I see that the metaverse is, is going into the other direction. Now how these two will come together I'm not sure. Um, but for us at Edge, I think what is really exciting is really that the metaverse covers a lot of areas um, that we cover ourselves. So it, it's basically, to me, it's the intersection of, of gaming, immersive experiences, um, education. So I think it's not just about, obviously, it's about having fun, socializing. But for instance, um, there are so many other opportunities there in terms of, let's say, um, VR trainings, education, uh, in the, the virtual space, how you can then uh, reach global audiences, how you can kind of uh, facilitate um, interactions between people who would have never met otherwise. Um, so I think um, this interoperability piece will be, will be really crucial if you want to create a real metaverse. And, and right now, what I do think the first step is really to create the building blocks of the metaverse. And that's where we get back to the underlying technology uh, cloud um, or cloud computing hybrid solutions, computing power and network, um, and so on. Michael, do you do you see a similar picture from a Drake Star perspective? Yeah. So uh, the metaverse. Everybody walks about talks about the metaverse, but probably everybody has something else in mind. When I when I when I hear the metaverse, what comes to mind to me is Ready Player One. Um, Kind of you essentially live in a different world, more or less, uh, having some VR goggles on, and and that's probably what what um, Facebook or Meta or Oculus goal is to to create something like that. But I also think it's going to take many many years to get there. But then there are also different versions of a metaverse. Um, w one thing I think is interesting, for example, what Niantic is doing. Niantic, um, the, the one who came up with uh, the Pokemon Go. Yeah. And essentially, it's a, you know, AR app on your phone. It's kind of a real world metaverse where you can walk around, you, you meet people, you actually see their avatars on, on your AR device, you walk by stores, they can advertise things or, um, you know, you're essentially living in the real world, but it's kind of a parallel world next to it that offers all kinds of opportunities. And another version of, in my mind, a metaverse is what, for example, uh, Animoca is doing with Sandbox. That's um, essentially a virtual world where people buy land, they buy goods, cars, boats, all this kind of stuff, can interact, um, get together, chat, meet. Um, and, and, and all of those have massive growth potential. And I think for, for the years to come, there's all kind of going to be different pockets of, of a metaverse. That's at least my view. Yeah. What do you think about what what pocket will the gaming industry occupy? Do you do you think it'll sort of be, uh, you know, across all of those different technologies and you know AR VR? Yeah. I mean, if you look at uh, what Oculus doing, gaming is a big component. Um, besides the experimental piece like concerts and just meeting with people, what Niantic is doing. I mean, it's to, to me, it's kind of a a real world game where you 
go out and hunt certain things, collect items and um, and so on. And uh, very, very much also with what Sandbox is doing. They have games there, people are entertained. Um, so I think gaming will be a core part of all of those. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're just about done, guys. Thank, thank you all so much for coming on. I want to get your thoughts on one final um, topic, really. And that's that's the effect the pandemic has had on all of this stuff on the has the pandemic, Patrick, I'll come to you. Do you think the pandemic has accelerated our our journey to the metaverse? Do you think we'd be where we are today with a lot of um obviously the 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 the, the renaming of Facebook and, and the very public play that they've done and Microsoft's um, acquisition of, of Activision Blizzard and the gaming industry developing at such a speed? Do you think we are ahead of where we would have been if the pandemic hadn't have happened? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um we the pandemic broke us from this idea that you can't do things virtually. Um, and I mean, my mom uses Zoom now. What's up with that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but I mean, it's perfectly reasonable to get onto a video call with somebody now like it's no big deal. Um, and that's going to translate really, I think, really well into every bit. Just It just it normalizes things that we weren't making normal before. It used to be that video conferences were what tech companies did. Now, every company does it. And metaverse, uh, AR, VR, um, is just going to ride on the coattails of that. We, we like I said, we, we the genie's out of the bottle. We broke everyone. It's like, oh, this is completely normal now. Um, I, what's going to happen with conferences? What's going to happen with you know face-to-face customer meetings? It's all changed. And now we just have to catch up with some technology to make it a little less intrusive or hard to work with, you know, like my audio doesn't work, you know, things like that. Um, we've, we've got some challenges ahead of us, but I think we'll make it work and it'll change the whole world again. Yeah. Ava, do, do you agree with Patrick or do, do you think that the big tech companies are kind of on this path anyway? Um, no, I do agree. I think this uh, pandemic accelerated this kind of growth, um, which is great for the creative sector. Um, I think, uh, ob- obviously not the pandemic, but the um, the side effects of it. Um, and as I said, there are many good causes where, where this um, new metaverse uh, or um, virtual environment can be really beneficial. So for instance, as I said, VR trainings is a good example where you can basically um, educate people uh, in all, all, all over uh, the globe or across different countries. You can bring people together um, and they can socialize in this environment. So I think there are many uh, benefits for, um, for from this aspect. And obviously that reduces traveling costs and, and you know, you can do these things in a most, more cost efficient way. So I, I do I do see the, the value in that. Um, but I do share the view of, of Michael that I think the metaverse will probably start with the more like um, digital, physical, virtual, uh, physical kind of um, uh, word uh, or blended word, because uh, as Niantic is a good example, I think that's, that's my view that this will this will not happen from one day to another. P- people still want to meet in person. And I think especially for creators, I think that kind of serendipity is really important. Uh, but then what you can do in a virtual environment that can accelerate, for, for instance, the creation um, or the collaboration or reaching your audiences in new ways. But at the same time, I think there will be still physical um, um, basically gatherings or, or, you know, physical aspects of it. So I, I think it's going to be a transition to this. Um, but yeah, the pandemic did accelerate the trend. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the real world we have is still quite nice, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, Michael, any closing thoughts on on the pandemic point and how, how that's changed things? Obviously, the figures you gave earlier about investment into the gaming industry were not at all affected by it, by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. It definitely accelerated. It accelerated the consolidation. It also accelerated the investment getting into the business or into the gaming segment. And that's um and and that's really the growth driver for for great things to come this year and 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 next year and so on so um from that perspective it also really increased the audience people kind of playing being um um on the mobile side as well as pc console and some of those people to some extent got hooked and continue to want to want to play and explore no games and experiences A big thank you to Patrick McFadden, Ava Rez, and Michael Metzger for giving up their time for the Digital Bulletin podcast. I hope you enjoyed their insights, and it's certainly going to be interesting and fun to see how the tech and gaming industries continue to converge. Remember, if you want your fill of great interviews and thought leadership from the technology space, then head over to digitalbulletin.com and subscribe to the podcast too. The last thing for me to do is to thank you for sticking with us, listener. We hope you can tune in again next time. Goodbye. That was the Digital Bulletin Podcast. Listen and subscribe to a range of podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Plug in for news, features and case studies on the very latest in enterprise technology and digital transformation. <laughs>